Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. As always, folks, I have a guest who has inspired me and who is doing some really great work in the world. And I feel that it is my duty and responsibility to help him doing what he's doing. And so I've invited him to be on the show here today. This is Dr. Greg Hudnall. Say hello, Greg. Hi, Paul. Hi to the audience. Welcome. Good to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm glad I was able to chase you down. Glad it worked out. (laughs) You have been doing some really great stuff. Folks, if you don't know Greg Hudnall, he is coming from a background of, of education, and administration within education. Uh, so you've served as a principal uh, several times, I think. You've yeah, been in was, the superintendent's was, office, the district office. Yeah, multiple experiences. High school principal, 15 years, and then district director, and then associate superintendent for Provo School District. And you have taken on some challenges. When I first got to know you, you were the principal of Independence High School, and uh, you had a very... Uh, challenging population there at Independence. Yeah, Alternative High School. It was my baby. Mm-hmm. I founded it. It was. We started out. I actually started at Provo High, and then took on the challenge to develop and create that model. And I loved every day. Couldn't wait to get out of bed to be with the students that um, had struggled in their previous schools: attendance, grades, mm. grades, drugs, alcohol, uh, self-esteem, um, depression, variety of issues. So you've always been an advocate for the underdog. <laughs> I guess that's a fair way to put yeah, it. I think it's very fair. Yeah, very much so. Where your heart has just gone out to these these kids who uh, were maybe underprivileged or challenged in their circumstances in a way that, that life was just hard for them. And you've been able to provide some services and resources to them through throughout your whole career, really. Yeah, and I think my son said it best a while ago. He said, Dad, you... You've always seemed to have had a focus on those that were left behind. And I really yeah. like that, those that were left behind, because it, there are many out there who don't have a voice. There are many who get lost, that mm-hmm. don't have a seat at the table. And um, I I've, I've, have built that career and reputation around trying to save lives. And saving lives is very literally what you're up to now. I am. Yeah, we're doing suicide prevention. We, uh, we, we've actually have been doing it for almost 17 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, started in 2007. Well, no, it was 1997 mm-hmm. when I was originally contacted by the Provo Police to identify the body of a 14-year-old who had taken his life by suicide oh. in the public park next to my high school. And when I got done, I returned to my car and, and literally threw up and sobbed. Oh. five minutes. This was a great young man who came from a great family. No warning signs that I was aware of, that his family was aware of. Right. And I can remember just sitting there sobbing, holding on to that steering wheel, making a commitment to myself and, and to God that, that I was going to do something about suicide. Because we were losing one to two kids a year 
in, in Provo School District. Wow. And this has become almost epidemic. Yeah. Would you agree? Very much so. In fact, uh, uh, Joyner, who's one of the premier researchers on suicide in the United States, has documented through research that suicide has increased every year since 1999. State of Utah is number fifth in the nation for suicide. Wow. And we, for ages 10 to 17, it's the number one cause of death in Utah, suicide. Number one. Number one. It's passed up. Uh, vehicle accidents, accidents, diseases, cancer, cancer, all of that for that young age. Over the last twenty to thirty years, suicide has now become number one. Oh, isn't that something? Yeah, it's, it's it just breaks your heart, and it's preventable. That's the thing, Paul. That I that I continually go back to of all of the deaths, mm-hmm. suicide is the most preventable if we really right. understand how to intervene, how to how to reach out how to identify those risk factors, warning signs, and then what are the resources available? When you said most preventable, it it occurred to me that maybe we should put out a disclaimer. (laughs) And I don't know that we have to, but we're not going to prevent every case. That's right. And I say that because I know there are good people listening to the podcast today who have lost someone. And, and that process, you know, that we go through in our minds, what could I have done? Uh, folks, we're going to have a conversation here about some of the things that we can do, but that doesn't mean that you should have or could have done something different. I think we get to learn from our experiences, but uh, sometimes these things are going to happen. I've, I've been involved with 53 suicides, all youth, the mm. youngest fourth grade. Oh, wow. Um, but the thing that I have found out of those 53, either as a first responder working with law enforcement or as a consultant, about 90% of the time the parents had no clue. And it wasn't that these were bad parents. These were amazing, great parents. Right. It's that kids hide it so very well. So adults with mental illness, depression, etc., tend to pull themselves away from everyone. Mm-hmm. Young people, because of the social media connectedness, will pull themselves away from everybody but one or two friends. Mm-hmm. And then they will constantly text, email, tweet. Stay what, connected to those stay friends. Stay connected to those friends. And if we can help those friends understand what those warning signs are, mm-hmm. then there's a good chance that we can intervene. But I would echo your words of wisdom, Paul, in the sense that I don't want ever ever to have a parent feel bad about not being able to prevent the loss oh. of a child because we cannot. About 1% to 5% of all suicides are what we call copycats or a contagion. Hmm. No warning signs, nothing in, in a lot of those cases, but it was enough of a trigger for that young person to take their life. A friend, famous person, whatever it was. And right. so, yeah, it, while it's difficult to prevent, we know that we can prevent most of them. And there are some, some things that we can all do to participate in that. I'm, I'm looking at your shirt. Your shirt says hope. And this is the, the anchor word, I think, for, for the programs that you're putting in place. In fact, you've, you've been training kids in the high schools as hope squads, 
Yeah, we're pretty excited about that. We what we experienced in our district, Provo School District, Provo City School District, fifteen thousand students, mm-hmm. eighteen schools. We were averaging one to two suicides a year. Mm-hmm. Um, we went into Tempview High School, twenty one hundred students. Tempview at the time was struggling. This was back in two thousand and three, mm-hmm. struggling with numerous attempts, threats, and actual suicides over the previous years. We went through every English class, asked every student in the school, if you were struggling emotionally and needed someone to talk to, list the names of three of your peers. And Mm -hmm. the most amazing thing happened. The same 40 names rose to the top out of 2,100. And these These kids are all nominating the same, same people. Exactly. And these 40 kids weren't necessarily the most popular, but they were the ones that you love to talk to. They were the ones that would listen. Mm-hmm. They were the ones that would care, non-judgmental, and provide support. So we pulled those 40 out, started training them to recognize those warning signs, how to break that wall of silence and always go to an adult. It was so successful, we moved it into our middle schools and even our elementary schools. Mm-hmm. And because of that work and a lot of community training, we went nine years without a suicide. Oh, wow. And it was because we really, we, we've really taken the, the model or the mantra that while it takes an entire village to raise a child, we believe it takes an entire community to save one. Mm-hmm. So whether you're a parent, a teacher, a coach, a neighbor, a, a church leader, young men, young women leader, whether you're, doesn't matter what it is, if you can understand what those warning signs are, and how to intervene, there's a good chance that we can prevent that suicide. And so many of them can be prevented that this becomes probably one of the most important things we could be doing. I, I believe so. And I, I um, just did some training a while ago to a group of professionals and an individual walked up to me afterwards in tears. And he said, I don't know you, I know of you. He put his hand on my shoulder and he said, this could be the most important thing you've ever done with your life mm-hmm. because of the impact that you're making. And we believe it because it's not right. us. It's, it's us as a community. It's not me. It's not I. It is us together providing that hope for families. So, Greg, we have listeners all over the country and even the world. We've got people listening to Live On Purpose Radio. Um, before we go into our break, can you share with us if, if they're feeling to, to take some action or get involved, where do they go? Well, I think there's a couple of things. First thing is go to our website, um, hopesquad.com, H-O-P-E-S-Q-U-A-D.com. Hopesquad.com. Hope Got it. Um, we, um, you can see a lot of videos made by Hope Squads, made by students. These are the kids in the schools These that are the you've kids trained in the schools right to be now. sensitive to and intervene Correct. with those, That's right. those peers. Right now, across the state of Utah, in 180 schools, we have 5,000 young people, elementary, middle school, and high school. And we, we actually have one at Brigham Young University that are going to school every day, watching out for their peers. Last year, mm-hmm. over 1,000 kids were referred for help and over 100 hospitalized because of their peers. The second thing I would, if you're wanting to develop a community model, um, go to QPR, uh, qprinstitute.com. QPR is one of the leading national suicide prevention programs in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's very simple. If you think of CPR, 
Mm-hmm. So the research shows that in a community, if 20 to 30% of the adults are trained in CPR, death by heart attacks goes down 40%. The same research wow. is shown QPR is the mental health equivalence of CPR. QPR stands for question, persuade, refer. The research also oh. shows that if we train a community in 30 to 40% of mental health and how to question, how to persuade, how to refer for help, suicides will go down 40%. Yeah. That's the key. Such a simple model, too. It is. That's, that's the exciting thing. It's scary. It's frightening for people, hmm. but it's very possible. As we come back from this from this break, let's dig into that and and help people to drill down on what is exactly they can do if they're concerned about this situation. So folks, this is Dr. Greg Hudnall at Live on Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, my name is Chris Crone, and thank you for listening to Live on Purpose Radio. I became financially independent, starting from nothing, by the age of 26. My purpose is to financially liberate the captive. Are you searching for a realistic, proven system in real estate to create enough residual income to retire or fund your dreams? I invite you to learn about a passive, turnkey, proven system and approach to real estate where my team of 200 experts can do all the heavy lifting to create the freedom you're searching for. Visit www.liveonpurpose.strongbrook.com to get a free copy of my book, The Straight Path to Real Estate Wealth. Just enter the code FREE at www.liveonpurpose.strongbrook.com. Faith is the strength by which a shattered world shall emerge into the light. Helen Keller And welcome back, everyone. We've got Dr. Greg Hudnall today at Live On Purpose Radio, a national leading expert in the field of suicide prevention, not just prevention, but intervention and postvention, which is a word a lot of people aren't familiar with. Yeah. So, but you're dealing with all aspects and how to, how to assist people through this yeah, process. If, if we're really going to be successful, we have to have all three. We call them the ventions. So mm-hmm. prevention, we spend 80% of our time. That's the educational piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love to use the example. We have not lost one child to a public school fire because we've been doing fire drills for 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, kids are trained when that bell goes off. They line up. They know exactly where to go. They march out. And it's because of that repetitiveness. It's because of that training. So, right. so prevention, that's 80% of what we do. Intervention is 15%. And that is once we recognize those signs in a peer or someone else, how do we talk to them? And then the third part is postvention, which is so critical. And that is once we've had a suicide, what do we do to prevent another one? Because mm. contagion, a copycat, yeah, it affects it, that whole community. It affects that whole community, and it's a high risk. You have one suicide, you have a risk factor of having a copycat. So we want to bring in that professional team to do everything we can to identify those who may be at risk so that we don't lose another one. Right. So there's a common element in all of these, and I'm picking right up on it because this is my business to talk to people, and talking really seems to be 
a key here. So when you said earlier, the QPR model, for example, question is the first. Correct. But a lot of people are afraid to do that. We right? are. We're, we're, we're Don't afraid. want to put the idea in their head. That's exactly right. The, the fear factor is if I even mention it, mm-hmm. they're going to get the idea. But the research shows time and time again that talking about it can be the best thing that, that we can do. Someone mm-hmm. who is strugg- struggling with that depression, that severe mental illness, re- remember, they don't want to die. They want the pain to go away. That's right. But they don't know how to make that pain go away. I've sat down with probably over a thousand youth in my 30 plus years mm-hmm. in working in the school system. And I've been amazed at the number of times when I've sat down with that young person, 14, 16 year old, that was referred to me by a teacher or a parent. And I ask, after a few minutes, getting to know them, getting them to relax a little, I will mm-hmm. ask, So, Johnny, have you thought about hurting yourself? And it's amazing how they will kind of raise their eyebrows and go, Well, yeah, how did you know? And then I will say, well, you know, Mrs. Johnson, your English teacher, had shared with me what you had written in your journal. And you had mentioned that your family would probably be better off without you. Sometimes when people write that or say that, they're thinking about suicide. They're thinking about taking their lives or killing themselves. Are you thinking about it? About 70% of the time, that young person will open up and go, yeah, actually I am. Mm -hmm. 30% don't want to talk about it. They're uncomfortable. And so we use texting. We use a lot of other things to help them provide that support. Um, But talking about it is the best thing that we can do because it it opens up that channel of communication. I recently had an undertaker on my program and he shared with me, he said, talking about death won't kill you. And and yet there's this taboo. It's almost like this unspoken law that you can't talk about this stuff, right? But that's part of the problem. And so as we break down that fear, and think about it. If you're a parent and you suspect that your child might be having some suicidal thoughts, what is the fear? That if you talk to them, you're going to plant that idea in their head? Well, probably they're already thinking about it. If you ask them and they say that they are thinking about it, you've just opened up a whole new conversation that wasn't available to you beforehand. That's right. If they weren't thinking about it, you have just shown your child in a big way that you care and that you can get past your own discomfort to talk about anything. And I have found in those situations, I train parents to be very forthright and to be very honest. Nice. You know, Sally, I went to this training the other night. I heard Dr. Hudnell speak about talking to our young people, that talking to my child. Mm-hmm. And I have to be honest, I'm scared. I'm very nervous because I don't want you mad at me. I don't want us to argue. Wait, you can say that? Exactly. <laughs> However, nice. what I'd like you to be aware of is that I've noticed some changes. I'm worried about you. Are you thinking of suicide? That's the step that we have to have the courage to take. And I know it's hard. I know it's very hard. I've been there. Mm. But I promise you it's the best thing that we can do to try to get to provide help for that individual. You're listening to this podcast right now. So if you are thinking of someone who is close to you, maybe it's your child, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a friend, 
If you are thinking of someone that they are pressing on your mind right now as you hear Greg and I having this conversation, probably that's a conversation you need to have. And I want to encourage you to, to get past whatever discomfort you have and have the conversation. It's okay to talk about it. The, the thing that I found to be very helpful is when I sit with those parents, I like to ask them, who's the closest to the child? Because there were times when my, raising my four children, my wife and I would smile and we would point fingers at each other and say, okay, this is yours. Mm. This is your son because right now we're struggling. Mm-hmm. And I have found that to be very helpful that in a private moment when you haven't been angry, there hasn't been an argument, right. it, you're, That's you're alone so that we're not embarrassing them or any way, but it's pulling them aside in that very, very private moment and asking, are you okay? Have you thought about hurting yourself? I'm worried about you. I like to use the I message because then it lets them know that it's coming from you. It's not attacking. It's not demeaning. But I noticed at dinner tonight that you argued with your brother. You snapped at your father. I noticed when I turned on the computer, there was some things on there that talked about suicide, that talked about whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm worried about you. Um, The comment you made the other day about I don't want to be around anymore. I'm at the end of my rope. Those are things that have really worried me. I'm concerned. I'm wondering if you're thinking about hurting yourself. We have found in the school programs when it's peer-to-peer, it's amazing. It's amazing because kids will open up to their friends in many situations that they won't open up to their parents. Mm -hmm. And that's why the peer-to-peer has become so helpful to be one piece of that community model to help prevent suicide. Sometimes, I know you've probably got stories about this, sometimes it's that one conversation that turns everything around for someone. I I was on television just a little while ago with KSL, and um, at the very end, the reporter said, so Greg, what do you hope to come out of this? And I said, I hope that parents will have the courage to ask when they're worried, to take that first step. The very next day, I Mm. received a call from an individual, and he said, can I come and meet with you? So he came into my office, big Hawaiian guy. He said, I just have to share this story. My son, football player, senior, running mm-hmm. back, all you know, scholarships, every college wanted him, mm-hmm. broke his ankle in the, in the state playoffs. Oh. And he said, uh, he's been very depressed, and I've been very worried about him. And so he said, my wife and I were watching the news. When it was done, my wife turned to me and said, get in there. So she said, so he said, walked into my son's bedroom and shut the door. My son was sitting at his desk reading and doing his homework. And I walked in and sat on the bed and my son looked at me and he said, dad, what do you want? You don't come in here unless, you know, you want something or there's a problem. Yeah. And he said, well, I just have to be honest with you. I just heard this on the news and your mom and I have been worried about you. And he said, Greg, I had the most amazing 30 minute conversation with my son. He said, we both cried. And he said, at the very end, my son said, Dad, I'm not suicidal. I'm depressed because this may mean my shot for college is out the window athletically, but I'm not suicidal. But I have two friends that are, that I'm worried about. And he said, from that one conversation, I was able to call those other two parents and to share that information. So having that courage may open up other windows of opportunity. 
What is the worst thing that could happen if you have the conversation? They will say nothing. They'll say, I'm fine. Leave me alone. That's the worst. That's, 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 I haven't heard anything worse than that. Um, so it, it is having that courage. Yes. And the fear is that maybe you'll find out something you didn't want to know. Yeah. But really, ask yourself, do you want to know or not? Yeah. Because I, I think you bring up a really good point, Paul, and that is the next step. Mm-hmm. The next step is having the courage to ask, but then what do I do with it? Once I, right. get, once I get that information, what's the next step? And, and what we want your listeners to understand is that next step is finding those resources in our community. Mm-hmm. Is it the local mental health agency? Is it the hospital? Is it a private provider like yourself? There are so many available mm-hmm. opportunities that it's really important for parents to understand. I always start first with the local mental health agency and then mm-hmm. to go from there. But depending on how severe the crisis is, um, there are a lot of resources out there, parents. Oh, yes. And just knowing that those resources are there creates more hope. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a national crisis line. Most uh, larger communities have a local crisis line that you can mm-hmm. call. Um, there's a national texting line, 781-781. You just type in that number and then on the message, you type in start, you spell out start, S-T-A-R-T, send it. And within a couple of minutes, a professional will come back and ask, introduce themselves, ask if you're okay. So I use that with about 30% of our youth. I will have them text for help so mm-hmm. that they can get that, that information. Um, and, and, you know, parents find that local um, crisis line you can call, and I have found them to be very, very helpful with, with local resources in your community of where can you mm. can turn to for help. So there are a lot of resources there. Give us that number again. So 781-781-781-781. And you just text that. So you type in that number, and then you put in START, S-T-A-R-T, in the message. START. And then within a couple of minutes, someone will come back. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing what we can do now with the technology we have. And everyone has access to these things. There's, there's always hope. There's always help within reach. That's right. If you're a parent, if you're, if you're someone who is uh, struggling with some suicidal thoughts and ideas yourself, and maybe we could take just a moment, Greg, to address that. Because I know that there may be people listening to our podcast who either have been there or they're currently in a situation where they're, where they're looking at that as an option. What would you have to say to those people? You know, I think the first thing that I would like to say is that don't give up hope. And it's easy for yeah. someone to say that. It's more difficult to live through it. But sure. I can promise you that there are resources and that there are support systems out there and whether it's a divorce, loss of a job, a physical ailment, what, whatever it is, know that there are people that care and, and love you. And, and if they understood more, um, would be willing to do more to help. Um, and that's what I have found in a lot of cases that we get caught up in, in a singular mm-hmm. situation. Now, and, and I know that, that some of you may be struggling with a severe mental illness. I had an individual walk up after a training and he shared with me, he said, this was a gentleman in, in his 50s. He said, my twin sister 
is schizophrenic. And he said, I'm not. He said, and my sister has four children and not one of them are affected. But he said, I have a daughter who's now schizophrenic. Oh. So it's interesting how it jumps lines with genetics and, sure. and other things that well, way. Well, it can happen to anybody. It can happen to anybody. And that's the point that there are amazing medications out there. There are amazing therapists that do cognitive therapy that can help you work through those issues and replace them with what you specialize in, that positive thought, that positive mm-hmm. thinking, and other things that way. So please don't, don't give up hope. That is the message, isn't it? Really is. It's about hope. Uh, your shirt, I keep looking at the hope on your shirt, and there's a, a subline there, an acronym that helps us to remember the word hope. Would you share that? Yeah, so it's hold on, persuade, and refer. And so we, you know, we don't want you to give empower. up Empower. Or empower, sorry, the, the right. empower. Yeah, I was uh, thinking of QPR. QPR. Yeah, is... yeah, QPR, our partner. So it's empower. So the hold hope, on, hold persuade, on, persuade, and empower. empower. So when we're working with someone who is struggling, we want to give them that hope to hold on. We can get through this together. Romantic break, breakup, disciplinary action, something that's happened to them. We want to help them hold on. And then yeah. we want to persuade them by talking to them, letting them know of resources and other things that are available. And then the most important So persuade piece, really to take those next steps. It is. is that where you're going? The, to take the next step to... Whatever talk, that is. Yeah. Talk to a mm-hmm. professional, you know, whatever it is. Get a parent involved. Get a parent and talk adult to an adult that you trust. So. Exactly. Okay. And, then, and then the last part is that empowering. And the empowering is helping that individual get the help and become healthy again so that they're empowering to change their life. And that could be as simple as saying something like, come on, I'll go with you. You know, we, um, I, we've been doing focus groups, so we've been out in a community that has had a severe number of suicides over the last five years, literally five to six a year. Oh. And we've been working with them and helping them. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been doing a focus group where we've pulled randomly 12 young people together and um, have met with them and interviewed them, trying to help them help us understand how we can help that community. And it was amazing because this one young lady, she said, you don't know what it's like to go to a school of 2,000 students and not one person even smile at you or not one person even know your name. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's all it is. Sometimes just smiling, sometimes just saying hi to someone so that they recognize they're not invisible. Because when someone is so depressed, hmm. that's what they feel. They feel no one understands, no one cares, and they're all alone. Right. And that's where we want to break that cycle. Because there is hope. There is hope. And that's the message today. That is. Dr. Greg Hudnall, you brought it again. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, any parting thought that you want to share with our our listeners today you know I, I i think the parting shot is that we all have to have the courage to step up and say no more mm-hmm. you know we as a community we we as i as an individual we as a family a neighborhood a community we're going to do everything we can to help prevent suicide and it's going to take all of us working together there you go so we're all in this together that's it everybody Hopefully you've been inspired with some hope today. 
Let's do it. It's time. Go out there and live on purpose. <laughs>